Welcome back to another episode of the Legal Warrior Podcast. I'm Stephen Hislop, and I'm joined by my co-host and the founding partner of Richardson Richardson Boudreau Law Firm, Gary Richardson. Gary, how's your day going? Had a good day, Steve. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So I've done some thinking since the last podcast we had, and it came to my mind that I've heard a number of attorneys that you've worked with talk about your persistence. <laughs> right? I know. What do they say about it? Yeah, no, it's there. Anybody that knows you or that spent any mm. amount of time around you knows that you are very persistent. And that's a quality that I've noticed. I was wondering if you would like to expand upon that and if that's been beneficial in your field. Well, yeah, I can give a, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of stories about persistent I, I was persistent as a child even though I was very respectful to my parents I just uh, you know if I've ever uh, had an objective to go after I've been persistent about getting there right and you know Steve when I was a kid I was about 14 at the time and and of course I I, I had um, I say of course you wouldn't know that but I had uh, buck teeth okay yeah that's the term they used back then it protruded and stuck out the top two teeth and when I was about 14, I, I just really didn't like these teeth. So I decided to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, huh? Yeah. And we lived in a small town in South Texas, Rio Hondo. Our dentist was about 10 miles away in San Benito. Okay. So one day I called and made an appointment with our dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hitchhiked over to uh, San Benito after school and walked into his office for my appointment. and and sat down and he said son how can i help you he was our family dentist and uh i said well i want you to pull these teeth <laughs> and uh, he said are they bothering you i said yes they are and he said well how are the how are they uh bothering you i said well i don't like them i don't want them and he said but they're not causing you any pain i said well not no pain no but i just don't want them i want you to pull them and he said, well, son, I can't do that. He said, if they're good teeth, I, I can't pull, pull your teeth. And so I left, and I got to thinking about, it. well, maybe he wouldn't do it because he was our family dentist. So I got the yellow pages out and found another dentist in San Benito and called and made an appointment, hitchhiked over, sat down in his chair, same results. So I hitchhiked home, and and it uh, turned out both dentists called my parents and told them <laughs> what I'd done. And so they called me in and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I, you know, was respectful about it. I said, well, Dad, I, I, just, I just don't want to go through life with these teeth. And I said, uh, you won't get me braces. They didn't want to spend the money on braces. And, and I understood that. But uh, I said, uh, and Dad, you know I can go to Mexico. We only lived 18 miles from Mexico, and I can get these teeth pulled over there. And uh, I said, I, I, I just, I'm not going to go through life with these teeth. And, and uh, I, you know, I've been asking you to get me braces. And uh, so long story short, they got me braces. And, okay. But, uh, and then, you know, uh, back in 86, Steve, this comes to mind, I was uh, on the airplane. I read an article about sleep apnea. And I said, Wow. That seems like something I've dealt with, and I was I was a, a practicing lawyer at the time. And uh, were you in your thirties, forties at this time? Probably my thirties. Thirties. Okay. Uh, 
as soon as I landed in Tulsa, I went to the office and called the dentist that they, uh, or the eye, near, eye, nose, throat doctor that they interviewed for the article and made an appointment and flew down to Dallas and sat in his chair and, and I didn't tell him anything about reading the article, but I knew I'd had the characteristics that uh, they talked about in the article where I, I couldn't stay awake. I'd go to sleep in school, I'd go to sleep at church. Uh, it was terrible. I, I'd found ways to stay awake by rubbing my face and rubbing my leg and pinching myself, you know, and and uh, so he uh, he asked me, he said, well, son, how, how do you sleep? I said, well, I sleep real well, I see. The only thing that wakes me up is the alarm clock or telephone. I guess I trained myself to that. And finally, after asking questions, he said, son, I don't think you're sleeping at all. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I'd like to put you in a sleep clinic. And he explained that. And I said, okay, well, can I do it tonight? And he said, he laughed. He said, no. He said, we're probably booked up for at least a month. And I said, well, sir, would you mind checking, going and checking? He said, I already know. I saw the record today. We're booked up. I said, I understand. But would you would you just mind checking, please? And he came back and he said, well, I'll be down. He said, we had, no, we had a cancellation an hour ago. Wow. And I said, well, I'd like to have it. So they put me in a clinic and found that I had the worst worst case this did this ear nose throat doctor said he had ever read about or knew about i had 123 episodes an hour wow and uh, so anyway um, he did surgery and and uh, it seemed to help some took my tonsils out and cleaned out my throat you know and uh, but it, it didn't help the way that it was supposed to and uh, so then i got a dentist here in in Tulsa that put a screw under my tongue, tongue and pulled my tongue forward. And uh, that was supposed to really help, and it, and it really did. And I was still had about 60 episodes an hour. So both doctors said, we think something else is wrong, and uh, we just don't know what else to do for you. So I got on, on the Internet and found what was recognized as the number one sleep apnea physician in the world in Palo Alto, California. Okay. I had my secretary call in to try to get me an appointment. Four months, she couldn't get me in. So I just got on the plane and flew out there. <laughs> and that went, seems like something you yeah, would do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell a story. Everybody knows me. said, that sounds like something you would do. Yeah. And now I'm assuming you flew out there without having talked to the doctor at all oh, yeah. first. No. Wow. I hadn't even talked to their office. Wow. Flew out, went to the office, and uh, the lady at the front desk said, uh, what time's your appointment, sir? And I said, well, I don't have one. And she looked at me rather strangely and said, well, sir, we, we're booked. said, uh, we're probably booked for weeks. I said, I understand. <clears throat> I said, I've been trying to get in for four months. So I, I figured that was the case when I came from Tulsa. So I said, uh, let me, uh, when we finish talking, which probably won't be very long, I'm going to sit in this chair over here. Let me tell you my story first. So I told her about surgeries I'd had and, and uh, 123 episodes an hour, and then 60-something an hour, and, and that's where I was at the time. And I said, I'm going to sit in this chair. When you leave this evening, I will follow you out the door. When you walk in tomorrow morning, I will follow you in the office. When you leave tomorrow evening, I will follow you out the door. Are you getting the picture? I will be in that chair as many days as I have to be 
to see this doctor. And she said, well, sir, have a seat. So I did. She went, she left, she came back to the desk. Well, the doctor's going to see you over the lunch hour. Oh, well. And within 15 minutes, he diagnosed with an instrument he had that the other doctors didn't have. He diagnosed my problem. My hyoid bone was 12 millimeters too low. Okay. And I asked him, I said, what can we do about it? He said, well, he said, the best thing for it is to buy Max, but he said, at your age, he said, I, uh, I, I don't do buy Max. And I said, why is that? And he said, because your recovery from the surgery uh, is not good enough. And mm. I said, what is it? He said, 50-50. Wow. Now, what is a Bimax? Where you break your jaws and move them forward. So literally breaking literally and moving break the jaws. Literally break your jaws. Okay. Can't and eat it, for six weeks. And it was a 50% survival rate. That's what he said. I said, sir, I understand all that because we handle medical malpractice cases in our law firm. So I will say this. If you can, in good conscience... Tell me I have at least a 20% chance of surviving the surgery. I will give you a letter that says you will not be held responsible if I don't make it. Wow. And he said, well, you're serious. And I said, no, I'm dead serious. And I said, now that I know there is a solution to the problem, I either want help or I'm ready to go home. I'm tired. I'm ready to go home. Right. I mean, I suffered with it my whole life from birth because my heart bone was too low. Wow. And I'm finding out there's an answer, you know. So I because say, of yeah. persistence. Right, because of persistence, exactly. So, yeah, I would say that if I have a goal in mind, I've always been known to be fairly persistent, and fairly's probably a underestimation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to reach and, that goal. Right, and yeah. I've heard, um, and, and I don't, like to exaggerate i mean i have spent a lot of time with you and i've spent time with your friends and i have heard people mention that you're able to get away with some of the things that you've done because of your age and uh are you talking about like the judges and the black robe fever book yeah just some of the stories we've talked about i might have gotten ahead of myself a little bit with that but well yeah i've I've, uh, people learning things that yeah but gary you know it's your age your experience you know and the first year out of law school, I was trying a case in Muskogee, and the judge was real good friends of the lawyer on the other side. So he was giving me bad rulings, and so I acted up in wow. front of the jury. I, I got pretty upset and said, Judge, I'm tired of you giving me bad rulings, and I said this in front of the jury, so he called a recess. And told me to come to his chambers along with the defense, with the other lawyer and uh, he said Mr. Richardson you do that one more time in my courtroom I will call the sheriff and you know the rest of the story wow you understand me and he was bullying you yeah yes sir I understand you now let's go back to the courtroom I said judge before we go back to the courtroom I think I probably should be able to say something if you don't mind I'm always respectful to the judges, but I, you know, but I'm determined. I said, I have to tell you that if you keep ruling against me the way you are, giving me bad rulings, judge, there's no question in my mind that I'll act up again. So that being the case, if you plan on keep doing it, I know how I will act. And maybe you should just call a mistrial and call for the sheriff right now. And judge first call I have will not be to a lawyer it'll be to the newspaper <laughs> and we sat there and he said 
let's go back to the courtroom. Wow. And he quit giving me bad rulings. Really? Yeah. So did, did you make it clear to the audience and the jury that the judge and the other attorney knew each other? Is that something? Oh, is I, that kind of a no-go? I or? think it was pretty obvious to the jury. Okay. Because he was so friendly to the other lawyer, and he was abusing me. Yeah. Put it straight, you know. Uh, but, you know, I just, uh, I don't have, uh, I've never had fear of judges. And, and that's the thing, most lawyers fear the judge. You know, they want, they want to protect themselves, even if it's at the expense of their client. I've never done that. <clears throat> wow. I was trying a case in federal court in Muskogee, uh, a judge that lawyers are just, were scared to death of. I mean, this judge was mean. And uh, I was trying a case, and I was cross-examining a witness. And, uh, you know, and I'm always nice and kind. The FBI, when I was U.S. attorney, uh, labeled me the smiling surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Said, you cut them to pieces while you're smiling at them. Uh, but anyway, this federal judge, uh, I was cross-examining witness, and he and I kind of got in a uh, dialogue, and uh, he looked down his nose through his glasses, which is very common for him. He said, Miss Richardson, you don't want to fight with me, do you? I said, Your Honor, not under these circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun. Everything I do, I have fun. How did he take that? He just said, he just, we just kept going on, you wow. know, and uh, I, I'll tell you one other story that a lot of people like to hear is uh, about the hunting dog named Lawyer. Uh, yeah, I was what's that? <clears throat> I was trying a case in Greenville, Texas against a bank, a local bank. Of course, I'm from Oklahoma, and my client's from Dallas, so we're out of town people, and the defense lawyer, of course, was from Greenville, and the bank was in Greenville. So this judge was giving me bad rulings, which is n not uncommon when you're out of town and others are in town. And, and uh, finally at the bench, I said, Judge, I'm getting real tired of you getting, giving me bad rulings just because you're friends with this defense lawyer and the bank's here in Greenville. Well, he didn't, take, he didn't care for that much, so he told the jury, he said, we're going to take a recess. And he told uh, me, Mr. Richardson, I want you in my chambers, and told the lawyer, said, you can join us. So we go in there, and I went, hey, Judge, have you heard about the hunting dog named Lawyer? <laughs> and he just sat there, and I said, boy, he was a heck of a dog. If you hired Lawyer, you go hunting, you wanted quail, he'd, he'd bring up quail. If you wanted rabbit, he'd find rabbits. He, he just performed. You paid a fee, he performed. And I said, one day, these uh, guys came up from Austin, Texas, these political guys and uh, they uh, went out hunting and, and uh, they uh, had heard about lawyers so they insisted on ha uh, having a lawyer and of course the owner of the dogs normally wouldn't let someone have a lawyer that didn't, hadn't hunted with him but they kept on and they were you know so finally he said okay so he let them have a lawyer and they went out and that dog started performing and I said judge one of those guys uh, made a mistake and called him judge instead of lawyer and now all that dog wants to do is sit on his ass and howl. <laughs> and he never said a word to me. He, whatever he's going to say to me, he didn't say. Wow. Wow. So he calls you into his chamber, and you tell that joke. Oh, he was going to chew he, me out. And he laid off. He laid off. Wow. And I guess what I said earlier is more applicable to right now as to 
people saying that you're able to get away with these things because of your age. Yeah, I did it before I had my age. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still a very young man. And, you know, I had a judge removed from the bench my first year in practice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I was in his chambers and he used some, you know, some parents were in his chambers with teenagers that had been in trouble. And he used some very foul language in front of the parents, the ladies there and, and uh, the fathers. And so I called the head of judicial committee in Oklahoma City and uh, told him I wanted to file a complaint against him and did. And they had a hearing. And I was the only one testified. And lawyers were scared to death of this judge. They'd let him abuse them, you know, and they thought I was crazy for going after him. And I guess some degree I probably am. But I always felt it's something that uh, we owe to the public. Right. And uh, and so the, 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 the Supreme Court ended up giving him the option of them removing him from the bench or him retiring. Wow. So he retired, and a few weeks later, I was walking in the post office, and, and he'd gotten out of his car about the time I did, and he started pointing his finger at me, hollering me, I'm going to get you and he was angry, and I went over and put my arm around him. He's much older than me, and I said, now, Judge, why don't you settle down? You know I did you a favor. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was someone that I described in a black robe fever book. He was a coward, and any coward, I say that all cowards, seek positions of power because the more power they have, the more safe they feel. And when a coward gets power, they will become a bully to right. me that's an absolute and i don't believe in a lot of absolutes but that is an absolute when a coward gets power they will become a bully exactly or those uh those seem i mean those are your prophetic words yeah if, if, if you had one statement to make about your life and something that you want people to take away would that be it I'd be close to it. It'd be close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a strong statement. And after I heard you say it the first time and I read your Black Robe Fever book, I began to understand it. And when you understand it, you, you just see it happening. Yeah. And it's sad because it's a, I've heard you talk about dysfunctional needs. It, it almost seems as if it is a dysfunctional need. It is. It, it, it's a dysfunctional need. And when I tell that story, uh, frankly, anybody I tell it to, uh, or everybody I tell it to, they immediately can think of someone that they say fits that description. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have multiple in my head that I can think of in that category, and yeah. it's it. I mean, it almost makes me hurt for them because. Oh, it, exactly. It's uh, it's so sad to see it play out. Right. Because nobody wins in that situation. And you know, Steve, the point is, I've been willing to risk my own safety to do the job that I felt needed to be done. Right. That's the yeah. whole point. And, and I've heard you tell stories on that. Yeah. And I think that overall, that's what um, a client should be looking for in an attorney. And it's hard to find. Well, I say that <laughs> most good trial lawyers are not someone you want to take home with you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're sure someone you want to represent you. Right, right. And fight your case for you. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, uh the stories of Gary Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, you know, I really enjoy hearing these stories. Well, and you were telling me the other night about seeing some of them on YouTube. Right. You know, yeah, like the Joffe trial. Yes. If, if you go to YouTube and you research Gary Richardson, 
um, Gary Richardson Tulsa or Gary Richardson attorney, you'll find a whole list of Gary and his involvements in, throughout his legal career. And if you'd like me to on the Joffe, uh, did I say that right? Yeah. On that video, I will post the link in the comment in the, uh, I'll post the link in the um, show notes so you guys can click that link and it'll take you straight to the video. And from that video, you'll be able to access other videos of Gary and some of his stories. And it's a YouTube is a very cool tool to find things you want. Yeah, and uh, if anyone wants a copy of my Black Robe Fever book, they can call the office, 918-492-7674. They can also call that number if they have um, a question about a, a case that they might sure. have for you or if they do have a case and they're looking for an attorney. Yeah. You guys will take that call free of charge. Right. And uh, if there is a case there, they can come meet with you. I had a client come in last week that had listened to one of our podcasts. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's good. From you out know, of town, and he had listened to it. Really? Yeah. Well, that's cool to know that uh, that makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. So, um, also, if they want one of your books, they can. They could go to Amazon. Right. Um, they could call the office, like you said. They or can go to Gary Richardson Speaks. Dot com. That's right. And so, all these links, these notes, they'll be in the show notes. Um, I recommend you guys watch. Gary has talked about Vic Fazell and his case against um, Henry Lee Lucas and the Texas Rangers. Yeah, where the federal judge, I mean, he have to court eight times right. first week. <laughs> yes, there is some information about that case on YouTube. I will post a link for that. I think that those are videos you guys will really enjoy. It dives more into the details of the cases than we dive into on this show. So I will post those links in the show notes, and we would appreciate it if you guys watch those. Um, and Gary, do you have anything else you'd like yeah, to cover I mean, today? If uh, they have any questions they'd like for us to discuss on the show. Yeah, please send us a message. You can uh, send us a message um, through email. It's legalwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could just get on Facebook and find us at Legal Warrior Podcast and send us a message on there if you'd rather. Yeah. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, I look forward to this every week. Yeah. I know that uh, we, we try to do an episode every week. If it doesn't work, we do it as soon as we can. And right. we appreciate you guys listening. It's been a lot of fun. And we plan to continue doing this. So we appreciate the support. And we will see you guys next week.